We've been in Proverbs now for a while and we're still walk, working our way through it. Today, I decided to entitle the lesson, uh, Watch Your Mouth. Watch Your Mouth. How many, of us have, have us, how many of us have been told that by a parent, a teacher, some other uh, authority figure in our lives, perhaps a spouse? Um, yeah, how many of us listen? That is the challenge, isn't it, Ralph? Yeah, so... <laughs> no doubt. But today's message is just for a specific group of people. Okay, so I want to be... I want to make sure that before we start, we figure out who this really applies to. Um, and, and who among you may be able to just kind of sit back and wait for a more relevant message. Um, so, so first of all, if you could... Raise your hand if you have a tongue. Do you have a tongue? Okay, I think that's everybody. But um, there's still one more criteria we need to think about. If you, if you have no sin at all, please raise your hand. No, I see one taker, but you may have misunderstood the question. I understand. It's okay. So if you raised your hand on the first one and kept it down on the second one then this message is for you. And, uh, and I'm right with you because I raised my hand, I have a tongue, and I lowered my hand because indeed, I, I do still have sin. So, so, <laughs> so now we know who the message is for. Proverbs speaks to us about the tongue. Um, then let's, let's start digging into it a little bit. I want to start with this one focal passage. It's very brief and very short. Um, but then there's a whole lot of scriptures that I've sprinkled through as we walk through the message together. So hear the word of the Lord from Proverbs 18:21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. This is the word of the Lord. So we see from this that we're dealing with a powerful thing. The tongue. And let's let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and you've given us this gift, Father, of speech, so that we can communicate with each other and we can communicate with you. Father, help us to use that gift for for your glory, for the benefit of each other, and for love. Father, help us to not abuse that gift and not do wrong and use our tongues to sin. Father, help us to see your word and see it clearly. Help us to be convicted where we might do wrong. Help us to be encouraged if we see that, that you're helping us in some places. Father, be with us this morning and send your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, on my outline today, um, and this really could have been more than one message, to be frank. Maybe it should have been. But the first little section, I want to talk about the power of the tongue, the importance of why we think about this. Secondly, I want to talk about the sins of the tongue, the damage that it can do and how we should not speak. And then thirdly, I want to, I want to talk about the struggle to tame the tongue. Um, so starting off, the power of the tongue is, in fact, the power of life and death. That's what Proverbs tells us. In 1821, I said it in our vocal passage, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now that's Solomon. There's many, many, many more Proverbs about the tongue. And we'll get to some of those. But I don't want to forget about the New Testament wisdom book. In a sense, James. Um, 
I was talking to, uh, to Brother Ken earlier in the week, and he shared with me that, he, that they're looking at that in their community group. Um, so if you're in, in Ken's community group, you're going to be tracking right through with some of the things we talked about this morning. But James has a big, long passage about the tongue, and I want to take the time to go ahead and read it because it, it really emphasizes the importance of what we're talking about. Hear the word of the Lord from James 3.3 if you want to follow along in your Bible. And I'm, I'm quoting from the CSB today um, just because that's where we've been coming from uh, on Proverbs. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they're guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue... A world of unrighteousness is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. This is the word of the Lord from James. <laughs> that was a that was a low key thanks be to God because it's a pretty it's a pretty hard word there, isn't it? It's a reminder of how dangerous, how powerful, and how dangerous our tongues can be. And James doesn't pull any punches here either, does he? He says the tongue. <laughs> Is a fire set on fire by hell? That's harsh. That's rough. Um, but, but is he wrong? No. So, so let's think about this for a minute. We know that the tongue is powerful. And that our words have consequences. And it, in fact, we see in Proverbs that it's hard not to sin with our words. One of the Proverbs tells us where, where there are many words... Sin is unavoidable, but the one who controls his lips is prudent. When there are many words, sin is unavoidable. Just think about that for a minute. If, if there's a lot of words going on, it's unavoidable. There's going to be some sin involved. And James is telling us, hey, set on fire by the, by the power of hell. Luke, Jesus in the, in the book of Luke, uh, Jesus told us that... Um, we, could be, we will end up being exposed by the words of our mouth. He says, For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. I can only imagine, if all things were known about some of the things that I have said in my life, it would not be fun for me. But Jesus said that's what's going to happen. It'll be revealed. Um, Proverbs tells us that we are trapped, that the wicked are trapped by the words of their mouth. But Jesus also told us that in a way, our words are kind of like an x-ray, kind of like a diagnostic to where our heart is, right? And Jesus told us, for the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. In Matthew, he told us that. What does this mean? Just that whatever's in our heart is what's going to come out of our mouth, right? So is the tongue wicked? James says so. Well, why is it wicked? Because the heart that's driving it is also wicked. And, and we know that from Scripture. So we see here 
the tongue, the tongue has power, and the power is driven from the heart. Um, we see that this overflow comes out of our hearts. And then the question comes, what do we do about it? Because James is encouraging us to tame the tongue, and at the same time he's saying nobody has. You've got, you've got to, but nobody has. What do we, how do we think about this? And that's where Proverbs comes in, because Proverbs is a book of many practical things, right? And so he gives tons of examples, Solomon does. And, he, and so I want to talk through, through a few things about how not to speak. Um, and I'll just summarize them real quick, and then I'll hit them one by one. Some of them are quicker than others. How not to speak hastily. Shouldn't we speak hastily? Harshly. We shouldn't speak harshly. Deceitfully. We should not speak deceitfully. We should not be a false witness. Oh, that's part of deceitfully. Sorry. My outline threw me. Perversely. And we'll talk about that because that sounds kind of weird. But we should not speak perversely. That's a little different than deceit, but it's related. And we should not speak as a gossip, violating confidences. And so those are the things we should not do. Those are ways we, can, we should not speak because they cause so much harm. So let's start at the top. Hastily. Solomon's big on this. The one who speaks before he thinks is worse than a fool. Solomon says in Proverbs 29, 20, Do you see someone who speaks too soon? There is more hope for a fool than for him. I love the way Solomon puts things. It's, I think he had a sense of humor. Um, there's more hope for a fool than for this guy that speaks before he thinks. And if you've ever been in a meeting with someone that does that, you know what he's talking about. Because you wanted to say, gosh, man, you, you would have been a lot better off keeping your pie hole shut on that one. But sometimes it's us that speak too soon, right? How about, how about the one who answers a question before it's even asked? Solomon speaks to that situation. You ever been with someone who does that? Interrupts you to answer your question and doesn't even get it right? Proverbs 18.13 The one who gives an answer before he listens, this is foolishness and disgrace for him. So we've got Solomon kind of giving us some pointers here. These are really practical too. If you're, if you're prone to speak quickly, just listen to Solomon. Sit back. Listen first. Think first. Then talk. Solomon says we shouldn't speak harshly. Uh, Proverbs 15.1 A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up wrath. Sorry, anger and wrath. A harsh word stirs up wrath. And then in Proverbs 18.23, he says an interesting thing. And I, I, you know, as we were walking through the book, I read this a few weeks ago, and I thought, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. And then, and then as I thought through it more, it started to, started to come home to me what he was talking about. But the verse is this, 18.23 in Proverbs. He says, the poor person pleads, but the rich one answers roughly. Isn't that interesting? The poor person pleads, but the rich one answers roughly. And, and it's, it's not in the same book. It's not in the same chapter. But, but we already know that a gentle answer turns away anger. But a harsh word stirs up wrath. So, so what's going on here with this harshness? And why would a rich man answer roughly? And I would simply say, because he can afford to. A rich man can afford to be rough with people. Because when you're rich, people seek your favor. And I've got a little taste of this at work. Because... At work, sometimes I deal with vendors. Well, vendors want to sell me something, right? And if I'm a little rude, they'll put up with it. They actually will. They shouldn't, probably. 
but they want the money. So they will put up with rudeness. And, and a rich person is used to that. They're used to being deferred to, and they're used to having rudeness put up with. And so, and so that's, that's, I think, what the verse is telling us, is that a, a rich person can tend to answer roughly because he's used to being able to do it and get away with it. But you know what? It's not only about wealth, because we love picking on rich people. But it isn't only about that. It can be any form of authority that you might have or any form of, of power or influence. If someone wants your relationship, they may put up with things that they shouldn't have to put up with. And you may answer them roughly when you have no right to do so. So if you get used to answering people roughly for whatever reason, it's not good. It's not good. Proverbs tells us this. And the questions for a Christian is, okay, we know about the rich man in Proverbs, but what is, what is the lesson for a Christian? Can you ever afford, and I'm using afford in kind of air quotes, can you ever afford to be rough with people and harsh? You have these things in common. With everyone in the world, you're going to have something in common with them. You're either a sinner like them, if they're not a believer, if they, if they haven't come to, to trust Jesus and they're just a sinner lost, well, you've been a sinner lost too. And you are really no better than them. Even if you think you are, you are no better than them. So you shouldn't lord it over them in, in, a, in a harsh way. But if you're talking to a believer, what do you share in common with the believer? Your sins are forgiven. The same sins you share with the sinner, except now you share this forgiveness. By who? By our Lord. That is our mutual boss. So nobody's really over anybody else. We, are, we serve the same Lord. And, and we can't afford to be harsh with each other. Deceit. This is warned against strongly and often in Proverbs to be lying or or to try to deceive people. I wanted to say this one. It's kind of a so it's a four-verse four little section here. But it really is interesting. Proverbs 6.16, the Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are detestable to him. Arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that plots wicked schemes, Feet eager to run to evil, a lying witness who gives false testimony, and one who stirs up trouble among brothers. Seven things the Lord detests, and three of them we do with our tongues. And two of them are lies, right? So one who stirs up trouble, um, there's different ways you can stir up trouble. One of them could be lying. But a, a person who gives false testimony, a person who lies, the Lord detests these things. And he puts them in the same list with what? Hands that shed innocent blood? That's, that's pretty hard when, when I want to think of myself as really not that bad of a person, but I know I've told lies before. And I'm, now I'm in the same list with the people who kill people. That's, that's hard. But that's where we need to remember that we are. So this dishonesty is horrible. Um, and there, you can be dishonest, you can, you can speak in a way without even using your tongue because there's another verse that talks about the dishonest and wicked man who signals and winks and gestures in sly and subtle ways, right? It's still a communication. We're going to count for now. But, there's, but the verse tells us that he will be shattered suddenly. 
this, this wicked man that signals and tries to do plots. False witnesses, over and over in Proverbs, we're told the false witness is going to get his due. He's not going to get away with it. Sometimes a witness is the only one. They're the only one that knows what happened. And if they come to court and they speak, they speak falsely, then they, they think they've gotten away with it. They haven't. Proverbs promises, God is a God of justice and he's watching. They will get, they will get what's coming to them. Um, then there's this kind of deceit, which is, I was only joking. Have you heard this? Have you ever heard someone do that? I've done this when I was a kid. I was a mean kid. So I would do this to people. Tell them a lie and they say, oh, I was just joking. That's funny, right? Ah, not funny to them, funny to me. Proverbs 26, 18 to 19. This is how it describes me. Like a madman who throws flaming darts and deadly arrows, so is the person who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. That's that. Not so funny, is it? Like a madman who throws flaming darts and deadly arrows. Just picture that. A madman running around town throwing flaming darts and deadly arrows. That's crazy. It's chaos. It's lunacy. Well, that's, that's what we're talking about. Perversely. We, we should not speak perversely. What does it mean to pervert? Well, fundamentally, to pervert is to distort or to twist or to turn something to, its, to a, a, a wrong purpose. But you're taking something good and you're twisting it into something bad. That's what it means to pervert. So, so to speak perversely is what? Well, it can be to present evil as good or good as evil. And, and I like there's several verses in the Proverbs that talk about how the wicked speak perversely. But I wanted to give an example specific. And Isaiah has the best one. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I don't have to give a ton of examples. Really, you can turn on the news and see good called evil and evil called good in our world. It's crazy. It's crazy, it's perverse, and it's wrong. Why would someone do this? Well, to lead others astray. Sometimes they intentionally want to lead others astray. But sometimes they're so far lost themselves, they just want to justify where they are. Right? So they're trying to say the wrong thing so that they can declare the sin that they're in to be good, and, and then if what they're doing is good, then... And they're good. Um, and sometimes it is intentionally to seduce. We see over and over this wayward woman character in Proverbs that Solomon's warning against, right? She is trying to take a person who's inexperienced and doesn't really know and naive, and she's trying to draw them in and, and take their life down a wrong, a wrong path. And this perverse speech, this twisting of what's right is exactly what that's about. Flattery. Flattery is an interesting one. Uh, there's a verse directly. And there's a lot of verses in the Proverbs that are about flattery that are this wayward woman. And isn't that interesting? She flatters. She smooth talks. She tells this, uh, this king to be what he wants to hear. But then there's the key verse, I think, that Proverbs 29.5 tells us. A person who flatters his neighbor 
spreads a net for his feet. And we talked about this in our community group a couple weeks ago. We kind of puzzled around, like, what, is this, what does this mean? What are we saying here? And we argued, not argued, but we talked about the his feet. Whose feet are we talking about? Well, I'm pretty confident we're talking about the feet of the neighbor, not of the person who flatters. A person who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his neighbor's feet is another way you can think about it. Because what? Flattery is setting a trap. That, that's what flattery is. It's not honest. It's a form of deceit. It's intended to make the other person vulnerable and easier to take advantage of. That's why it's setting a trap. And who is most vulnerable to flattery? How about proud people? If you're proud, you're going to want to believe it, right? Ah, bring it. Tell me more about how great I am. I love it. It's what I want to hear. The proud person is willing to believe flattery. He's used to flattery because he flatters himself, right? But the humble person is more objective. The humble Christian person gives the glory to Jesus anyway and doesn't let it go to his head. So why would you flatter someone? Because flattery goes both ways. We need to think about possibly receiving it and and possibly giving it. So why would you flatter someone? If they had some position, some reputation, you wanted to influence them in some way, be their friend, be part of their social group, whatever, you might flatter them to gain entry with them. But that's wrong because it's deceitful. Now, does does that mean it's wrong to... To praise someone or acknowledge it with appreciation? No, not wrong at all. If someone has blessed you and encouraged you, by all means, tell them. They need to hear it. And that's a blessing to them. The problem is that flattery is not sincere and it's not real. So flattery is not okay, but blessing and encouragement are more than okay. They're great. We just got to know the difference. We got to know the difference giving it and receiving it. So don't exaggerate, but do praise. Um, and when you receive praise, wait carefully. Right? Be real about what, what you're receiving praise for. Did, did you, was, it, was it really worth that much? Or is someone trying to set a trap for your feet? Be careful. All right, here's, one, here's an interesting one. Smooth speech hiding evil intent. We'll talk a little bit more about this later, but... The verse here from Proverbs 26, it says that a hateful person disguises himself with his speech and harbors deceit within. When he speaks graciously, don't believe him, for there are seven detestable things in his heart. Though his hatred is concealed by deception, his evil will be revealed in the assembly. So what's going on here? This is a difficult one because Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that implies almost an unfiltered Whatever comes out is is real and genuine. But this verse kind of tells us, well, not necessarily because there are some clever people out there that can distort even as it comes out of their mouth. They can make it look better than it really is. So we have to be careful. We have to watch. And we don't only have to be careful about other people. Remember, the other people that do this, they're sinners. But so am I. So... I have to not assume that I can never do these things. I have to make sure that my speech is true and real and really reflects what's going on inside me. Um, okay. The, the last how not to speak. Um, it's about gossip. And 
Gossip's a tough one, and that's an important one because it's so dangerous, it's so harmful. But gossip is telling secrets that aren't yours. Uh, Proverbs eleven thirteen: a gossip goes around revealing a secret, but a trustworthy person keeps a confidence. Which one do you want to be? A gossip or a trustworthy person because it's not the same thing. Now, why would we gossip? Everybody knows if you say the word gossip, nobody wants to say, oh yeah, that's me, I'm a gossip. Nobody wants to say that. Nobody wants to own that. But why would we gossip if everybody thinks it's a bad thing? Well, Proverbs 26, 22 tells us, a gossip's words are like choice food that goes down to one's innermost being. Ah, it's a tasty snack, right? We want that gossip. Why? What is it about gossip that, that is attractive to us? Well, if I'm being reminded of somebody else's struggles and failings, I can feel a little bit better about myself. Especially, especially if their failing is something I don't particularly struggle with. Then boy, that's, that's fun. Because I can feel really self-righteous about that. Also, even if their failing is the same as mine, just the fact that their failing is getting attention and mine's not, let's keep it that way. Let's keep the failing and the attention on this person's failing and off of my failing because I don't want it. I don't want the attention. So gossip can be appealing to us. It can be, it can be a, a really attention getter. It can be something we actually seek out. Um, but what does Proverbs say about it? beyond just why we might want to do it. Well, it's, it's very harmful. Gossip separates friends. Proverbs 16, 28 tells us that a contrary person spreads conflict and a gossip separates close friends. It doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of explaining to figure out how that might happen. A broken confidence, that can harm a relationship. Gossip fuels the fires of strife. Proverbs 26, 20 tells us Without wood, fire goes out. Without gossip, a conflict dies down. It's just natural. Just natural. You add wood to a fire, you get more fire. You add gossip to a conflict, you get more conflict. You take the wood away from the fire, fire dies. You take the gossip out of the conflict, conflict dies down. It's natural. So, so this is a, a really key thing Solomon's teaching us here. Kill the gossip. Kill the conflict. Gossip is a betrayal of trust. There's a little proverb, but it's not in the book of Proverbs. This is some human man-generated proverb, but I think it's worth thinking about. I won't claim it's, it's divinely inspired. But if someone is talking to you about someone else, you better believe they're talking about you to someone else. Just something to think about. I want to say something to the men, myself included. Gossip is not a woman's sin. Any men think that it's a woman's sin, they're an error. Now, I'm not saying gossip is manly because it's far from manly. But that doesn't mean men don't do it. Men do gossip and it's evil. Women do it too. It's not womanly either. It's devilish. It's satanic and it's divisive. So it's not a man-woman sin. It's a human sin. And it's wrong. We, we have to purge it. And you know what? If you have a tongue and you're a sinner and you're in this room, you're not immune. 
I'm not immune. We can't pretend that we are. For an illustration, I was thinking about this. Gossip is, is a little bit like other people's money. Um, so let me illustrate. A few years ago, I wish Jim was here because he would enjoy this probably. A few years ago, I got a leak in the water line. And we noticed it because the, the ground outside of our window was soft and spongy and it was kind of strange. It hadn't been raining. And I called Jim and said, Jim's my, uh, he's my phone friend for anything home maintenance, anything mechanical, anything that's a practical problem solving thing, Jim's my go-to. Uh, he's my brother-in-law. And if you don't have a brother-in-law like Jim, try to find one because they're really good. Um, so let's, he came over and helped me with this, this leaky pipe. And this didn't happen, but it could have happened. Let's say I needed something from the store and I had to stay in mind this stupid leak because we were digging a hole and doing all this stuff. And we did have to buy some stuff from the store. If I had given him my credit card, say, Jim, here's my credit card. Just buy whatever we need to fix this problem. I would trust Jim to go take my credit card, take it to the Home Depot or the Lowe's and get the stuff that we needed. Now, let's say Jim is out and about. I'm using Jim. He would never do this. But let's say he was out and about. and He says, I got Ken's credit card. Looks like I'm going shopping. I'm already here at the store. I've needed some tools. I'm going to grab a couple tools while I'm here. Maybe I'll stop at Starbucks on the way home and get a latte. And, you know, maybe I'll run by, the, by Kroger and get some stuff for dinner tonight. That would not be respecting the trust that I gave him when I gave him the card, right? I gave him the card for a purpose because I needed help. And he was offering to give me help. So I gave him the card with implicit trust. Jim, you're not going to blow my money on stupid stuff. But you know what? If I reveal a secret to somebody because I'm in a vulnerable place and I need their help, I need to trust them. They need, and if, if they reveal it to me, they need to trust me. And brothers and sisters, this is a big deal. We have to be able, when we share these, these tender things, these secret things, and when we're vulnerable, we have to be able to trust each other. And, and so that's kind of what it's like. It's, about, it's like other people's money. Um, be trustworthy, not a gossip. And I want to ask a question here. Um, but I don't want to show of hands. But have you ever been hurt by gossip? I have. Have you ever been hurt by gossip in a church? I know that some of you have. Have you ever seen someone else hurt by gossip? Have you ever hurt someone by gossip? These things aren't hypothetical. The thing about it is we, we need to be real about this. Yes, we're a church. Yes, we believe in Jesus. Yes, we try not to sin. But we're sinners. And gossip is a thing that can come into a church. So we've got to guard against it. Always guard against it. Our response cannot be to deny it and say, oh, I wouldn't do that. I'm a Christian. I don't gossip. Because we know, James tells us, no one has successfully tamed the tongue. So if we think that we've got it beat, we're, we are in trouble. We have to always be on guard. Always be on guard. The last point is the struggle to tame the tongue. The, ta the tongue, like James said, who can tame it? And the truth is, one man has tamed it. He walked the earth 
and he interacted and spoke in many ways with many people. He said many things. And what does the proverb tell us? Where there are many words, sin is never far away. But Jesus spoke many, many words, and not a one of them was sinful. Not one. He did the impossible. Not only did he live purely, he spoke purely. A thing that Proverbs says, we can't do. And James says, no one's tamed the tongue. Well, Jesus tamed the tongue. He governed his own tongue and spoke righteously. So what is our hope? Our hope is Jesus. Because he shows us that it can be done. But James tells us, for us, we're going to have to wait until redemption before we're perfect. But what do we have in the meantime? John tells us, confess and repent and we'll be forgiven. Right? Confess and repent. There's a lot of things in Proverbs and in Psalms especially about how we should fill our mouths and fill our minds with, with good words. Right? We want to fill our minds with praise, with the Word of God. And you know what? The more you put good in and have good coming out of your mouth, the more it replaces bad. That's just a simple truth. We only have time to speak so many words. If you're crowding good words in, you're going to crowd good words out. We want to do that. So prayers for ourselves and others. And it's right to pray for ourselves. We should pray for ourselves and others. Thanksgiving, just prayers of thanksgiving. Remember what God has given you. Encouragement. Can you speak encouragement to your family? Connie's been teaching me that I've got a long way to grow in, in giving encouragement. Um, but we're working on it. I'm working on it. Bible verses, and Weston's talking about this. Several of us have talked about memorizing Bible verses. You put the Bible in your brain and you speak it out of your mouth. What could be more pure than that? Nothing. That is pure good. So bring the good in and squeeze the bad out. But you know what? Nobody can tame the tongue. I don't want to be discouraging, but nobody can tame the tongue. So expect to fail. And then when you fail, confess, repent, and then start over. Don't give up. Don't give up. And don't ever assume you've tamed it. You might go on a long streak without doing anything radically wrong. That's nice. You're not done. Not until you're dead. Not until Jesus raises you up in glory are you done. You're not done. So confess, repent, try harder. Confess, repent, try harder. And you know what? Ask for His forgiveness. He'll give it. It's all His grace anyway. We can pray specifically to be conformed to God's speech. Proverbs tells us that every word of God is pure. This is in Proverbs 30. And He's a shield to those who take refuge in Him. So our tongue, though it's set on fire by hell itself, not God's. God's tongue is pure. Pure. And we can seek refuge in Him. We can ask Him, make us like You. Please make us like You. Two brothers, I want to conclude. Uh, uh, the music team wants to come up while I conclude briefly. Two brothers in two days shared the exact same Scripture with me. And I don't really know. One of them was Ken. I don't even know if either knew that I was preparing a sermon about our tongues and our words. But it's another passage from James. It's just in a different place than what I read before. But it reminds us of the seriousness of the challenge we face. It's serious. James 1.26 tells us, If anyone thinks he's religious without controlling his tongue, 
His religion is useless, and he deceives himself. Could it be more serious than that? Do we want a useless religion? No, we don't want a useless religion. We want to follow Jesus. Jesus of the pure time. Let's follow him. But this is how serious it is. If you control your tongue pretty well most of the time, don't get smug. Remember, Jesus warned his listeners on the Sermon on the Mount, just because you haven't literally killed someone doesn't mean you are innocent. Right? We know that Jesus told them merely calling your brother a fool in anger. You've basically committed murder in your heart. You've, you've wished murder against him. And it makes you guilty in your heart. And God sees the heart. And we know from the passage we looked at earlier, oh, even a wicked person can speak smooth words and deceive you about his intent. So never think you're above any of these things. You're not. If you have a tongue and you are a sinner, you've got to keep watch. 